Welcome to Warsaw Evangelical Presbyterian Church's podcast. We'd love to worship with you today. me in a word of prayer. Lord, we come before you this morning and we recognize as we sing a song of surrender, Lord, to be able to say, Lord, all that I have is because of all that you are. God, we gather here and as we spend time now together in your word, that's, that's our prayer is that it would be a prayer of surrender, that Lord, it would be something that as we read your word, that you would speak anew and afresh into our hearts and lives. That maybe, Lord, we'd hear you, or we'd see you, or we would know you in a way, Lord, that we have never before, and that, Lord, we would leave this place transformed. Lord, not transformed because of mere words, but transformed by the power of your Holy Spirit. So, God, we are open, we are ready to receive what it is that you have for us this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I have to say it's it's great to uh, be here with you this morning to be able to share. I know it's been a a couple of weeks, I feel like, since I've had the opportunity to uh, share with you. Though I really do have to say that both Robbie and Andrew have done just masterful jobs uh, talking about some really difficult passages coming out of the book of Ephesians, which is kind of I'm why I'm happy that I didn't have to preach on them, right? You know, somebody else had to do it. But, um, but you know, it was, it was so good for me just to be able to sit back and to listen and to receive what's been uh, shared and communicated with us. But it was good because we had the chance a couple of weeks ago to attend a, a wedding. And you know you're getting old when the wedding that you have to go and officiate at was back in Pennsylvania, the very first church that we had served at. And one of our youth group students, who was babysitting our own children, was now old enough to get married. So here we are performing, participating in that wedding. But it really was a a beautiful time. And the reason I share that with you is because uh, during during the service, I shared with them a story And it was a cute little story, and I thought, based on what we're going to be talking about together this morning, uh, I thought, you know what, I want to share that story with you. And the story is told of a young pastor who is officiating at his very first wedding. And he's really nervous, because he's never participated, officiated at a wedding, and so he's nervous that he's going to forget something. And so he seeks out the advice of an older, wiser pastor. And so he seeks out this pastor, he sits down, and he tells him, you know, I'm just so nervous that when the day of the wedding comes, I'm just going to forget what I'm supposed to say. And the older, wiser pastor said, look, you don't need to worry about anything, because nobody remembers what you say at a wedding anyway, unless you say something stupid. So here's the thing. Just, if your mind goes blank, recite the first scripture passage that comes to mind. Younger pastor thought, all right, this is good. I I can go with that advice. And so the day of the wedding comes, and he's up in front. He's officiating the wedding. And wouldn't you know, his mind goes blank. He forgets what he's supposed to say. 
But then he remembers the words of this older, wiser pastor, and so he recites the very first passage that comes to mind. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. <laughs> but I mean, seriously, how, how true is that, right? We live in a culture where people are saying, why would you want to get married? I mean, do you know how hard relationships are? Do you know how much work relationships and marriage is? And so it's no wonder that cohabitation has risen 900% over the course of the last 50 years. People even in the church are starting to say, look, marriage is just so difficult, so hard, I'm not even sure if I want to commit to a relationship. And this is even as Christians. And so what we have to recognize is that relationships take work. What we have to remember is that the natural course of any relationship is separation. Look, if if you don't come home and if you don't talk to your spouse, if you don't find out what their hopes and dreams are, if you don't communicate with your children, if you're not telling your spouse that you love them, guess what's going to happen over time? The natural course of a relationship is actually separation. You have to continually work at that relationship to bring it back together again. Think about it. When you're in high school and you're at the end of the year and you get your yearbook, what do you do? You sign it, right? And, it, you know, it's like BFFs, right? Best friends forever. Or have a great summer. Or see you next year. You know, all the cheesy things that people write in, in their yearbooks. But what happens if you don't talk to that person on a regular basis, if you're not communicating with them, if you're not hanging out with them, guess what? The natural course of that relationship is separation. Maybe some of you have relationships with people that you were friends with in high school, but my sense is that that BFF from high school is not your best friend. Why? Because you've moved, because relationships have changed, and you're not spending time with those people. And so what we have to recognize is that when it comes to our relationships with our spouses, you have to work at it. You have to continually put in the time and the effort if you're going to see this relationship flourish. Now, why are all of these things important? It's because we need to understand that the pursuit of a good, healthy relationship usually is around an area where we struggle the most. And that's with this idea of submission. When you and I think of this idea of submission, for many in our culture, it is considered a four-letter word. It's a dirty word. This idea of having to submit your will to someone else's. If you remember the old TV show Survivor, right? What was the theme? Outwit, outplay, outlast. And how many of us can treat our relationships and our marriages in a way it's like, I just got to outwit, I got to outplay, I got to outlast. I mean, think about shows like The Bachelor, Right? I mean, at, when it comes to that, that final rose ceremony, 
Nobody ever wins these shows on submission, right? It's, it's all about power, and it's about control. It's about the exterior. And yet what we see is the biblical concept of submission turns the entire world on its head. It takes the things of the world that the world says is, is right and normal, and when we look at the way in which God talks about biblical submission, it gives us a different picture, and yet what I would say is a much healthier picture. And I believe that if we understand the nature of submission when it comes to our marriages, it actually is not a dirty word. It is actually a beautiful picture of what God is doing in a healthy relationship. Now, we come to this, not on my own, but we see this in the book of Ephesians. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 to 33, over the past few weeks, we've been looking at Paul's letter uh, to the Ephesians, and we've been walking through, and if you remember, at the beginning of the book of Ephesians, it's all filled with like this incredible theology, right? Like this really deep stuff that talks about what the church is, but now over these past couple of weeks, we've been spending some time talking about what the church should be. How, how are we supposed to live? One of the things that Paul is saying that we often say is that what we believe needs to affect how we behave. That our vertical relationship with Jesus Christ needs to impact the way in which we live on the horizontal. And this is where we've been the past couple weeks, and this is where we are again today. And this morning, as we turn to Ephesians 5, verses 21 to 33, we see that Paul has some, some words of wisdom for us about marriage. But here's what I want to be clear about, is that even if you are not married, what we're talking about today still applies to you, because verse 21 really sets the tone, not only for the, con the conversation around marriage, but even next week, because next week, verse 21 also impacts the way in which we work. It impacts the way in which we relate as parents and children, the way in which we relate to one another. And so I don't want you, if you're not married, to simply kind of tune out and say, this isn't for me. This really is for you. And if you're not married, maybe these words that Paul is sharing with us are good words for you to think about when you think about getting married or finding a spouse. How am I supposed to live this out, my Christian faith, when it comes to relationships? So if you've brought your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Of course, if you don't have it, you're going to be able to follow along on the screen behind me. Hear now the reading of God's word. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Guys, should I stop there? Should that just be the end of it, right? Listen, 
Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh." This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each of you, each one of you, must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. May God bless the reading of his word to our hearts and lives today. Now, I was sharing with you uh, about a wedding just a few moments ago. You have to say, as a pastor, I do. I, I get a chance to attend a lot of weddings. Uh, I get a chance to officiate or actually witness. And over the past two weekends, uh, there's actually been two weddings. So a couple weekends ago, we were out in Pennsylvania. Last weekend, I happened to be up in uh, Michigan. My cousin was getting married. And, you know, one of the things I have to say is that as a pastor, yes, I, I'm a part of and, and see and witness a lot of weddings. I do have to say that my cousin's wedding was probably the most God-honoring wedding I have ever been a part of in my entire life. Uh, when, we, when we got there and we got our seats, uh, the bridal party came in to that praise song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved a Wretch. I mean, it was beautiful. Even the bride walked in to that song. Uh, then a little bit later on, as, as the, the people were singing, then they had another praise song. So as they made their way up onto the stage, there was another praise song. After they did their, their vows and exchanged their rings, they actually celebrated the Lord's Supper together. Now, I know if you're from a Catholic background, that's nothing new. Uh, oftentimes, they'll celebrate the Mass. But what they did is they said, we want to make sure that the entire congregation gets to celebrate the Lord's Supper together with us. And so all of us at one point made our way up front and, and celebrated the Lord's Supper together. And the reason why was this is because they said, as the pastor was explaining, Jesus is the ultimate model of sacrifice. Jesus was willing to give up his own life on our behalf. And so as we celebrate the Lord's Supper together, we want our first act as husband and wife to be a picture of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us and our understanding that as husband and wife, but for us to come into this relationship knowing that we need to sacrifice for one another. And then at the end, again, they left to this praise music. It was such an incredibly beautiful and God-honoring wedding. But I thought, what a perfect picture of what this idea of biblical submission is supposed to look like. But here's the thing. Our society puts so much emphasis on equality and on parity and on power and on authority that the idea of biblical submission 
is often seen as something that's dirty, as something that is meant to try to keep other people down. And especially in this case, as Christians, you're just trying to keep the women of your congregation down. And so it's important for us to understand what does true biblical submission look like. I want to give you a couple of things that it's not. Because if we're going to spend some time talking about what submission is, let's, let's clarify what it's not. There's a couple of thoughts, four thoughts. First is this. Submission is not about being a doormat. All right? Submission is not about being a doormat. It's, it's not about just allowing somebody else to walk all over you and you just have to stand there and take it while people kind of push you around. Paul actually has some harsh words for people who abuse their authority over other people. Instead, what Paul is talking about is a mutual submission for one another as we submit to Christ. It's not about being in power and authority over other people. Submission isn't just about giving in. So this is not about being a doormat. Second thing is this. Submission is not about over-the-top politeness, right? It's not that you get to a door and you say, after you, and the other person's like, no, 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 after you. And the other person's like, no, 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 I insist, after you, right? You can be the most respectful person, and yet you can still not submit. So this is not just an idea of being polite. Third, Submission is not about giving up responsibility or authority. You may have a personality type that leads you towards this idea of pleasing, but it doesn't mean that you should always give up your authority or give up your ability or your responsibility to make decisions. You still can make decisions. It's not about saying, well, I don't want to step on your toes, so I'm just going to sit back and not say anything. All right, so it's not about giving up your power or your responsibility. And fourth, understand this, submission is not about putting up with abuse. All right? It's not about putting up with abuse. You know, our, our post-Christian culture can often look at the passages that we've just read in a way that tries to, make a, tries to imply that followers of Christ, you only try to hold women down. You only try to insult them. You only try to put them in their place. And what you're trying to do is abuse them. But what you have to know is that biblical submission does not hold somebody else down. It lifts them up. It helps them understand who they truly are in God's eyes. And instead, what we are to do is to point to the ultimate model of submission. And this is Jesus Christ. Christ, who gave up his life for us, is the picture of how we are to submit to our spouses. Now, I'm sure there's so much more time that we could spend trying to clarify, hey, this is not what submission is. But what we want to talk about is, for the remainder of this morning, what does biblical submission look like? Notice, first of all, this. We need to submit to one another. If you're going to follow along, this is the first point, is that we need to submit to one another. Verse 21 says that we need to submit to one another. Why? Out of reverence for Christ. The whole first point is just basically the first verse. Verse 
21, that mutual submission, we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Paul begins this conversation on marriage by reminding us that our inclination must not be towards who is in control of this relationship. It is about revering Christ. See, whenever we battle for control in our relationships, what we're forgetting is that Christ is the one who needs to be in control. And the more and more you and I make Christ in control of our relationships, the more and more it brings about mutual respect, giving, and submission. And remember, as Pastor Andrew reminded us last week, verse 21 is actually a part of a long train of Paul's thought. And as much as it connects to the previous week about saying that you and I need to be controlled by the Spirit, and, and how are we controlled by the Spirit? By submitting to Christ. That's how we live this out within the world. But what he also says, is, as it ties to this week, is this idea of submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ needs to impact our relationships. As we've already been hearing, it is not about achieving a top dog kind of status. It's not about abuse or power or hierarchy. It's not about one person always trying to win and the other person always trying to please. It's not about domination and it's not about authority. If you see submission in this way, no wonder you see it as a dirty word. But God tells us this, that we submit to one another out of reverence for him. And guess what? If we're doing something for God, then it's not going to be something that is abusive or offensive or shameful or degrading. Instead, this idea of submission really is a beautiful thing. So often, people look at relationships as, like, i got to get 50-50, right? You know, it's, when, we're, when we're married, it's all about 50-50 proposition. Here's the thing, is when it's just 50-50, somebody is always trying to get to that 51% status, right? To be able to say, okay, I get to make the final decision. But if you look at it actually as 100-100, you say, I am giving all of me, all of my best to you, and I believe that you are giving all of you and all of your best to me. It's a different way for us to look at the way in which we can approach relationships. And what if we say, I give 100% of you, of myself to you, because we have 100% of Christ as a part of our relationship. It's, it's really about submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, how does this play out? Notice what Paul says. Wives are to submit to their husbands as to the Lord. And I was joking before saying, um, you know, that Robbie and Andrew had some difficult passages before, but I recognize I have the ability here to offend 50% 
of, you know, the population right off the bat, right? But I want us to see, what does Paul say in verses 22 to 24? Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Now, remember, verse 21 is the overarching principle when Paul is talking about husbands and wives, slaves and masters, parents and children. And here's what I believe, that if you try to interpret verses 22 to 24 outside of verse 21, you will cause great pain when it comes to Christian marriages, and it causes much confusion in the world. As husband and as wives, we are equals in the eyes of God and in our standing with God. But what Paul says is that that doesn't mean that there is no such thing as biblical headship in the home. God has given each of us specific roles to play, and when we play them well, it actually leads to a great deal of harmony in our homes. It's when we don't play this out well that it leads often to a dissonance and a disunity and a disharmony within our marriages. Paul states that just as Christ is the head of the church, his body, so the man is the head of his home, his body, starting with his spouse. Biblical, biblical headship is not the same as worldly authoritarian headship. Notice this passage does not use words like quote-unquote in authority over their wives, but it does say that men are supposed to be the head. Now guys, before you go elbowing your spouse and grinning and saying ha-ha-ha, I want you to notice, this is a weighty, weighty responsibility. It's God who has ordained you to be the head and the leader of your home. You are not just some generic leader. You are a pastor and a shepherd of your house. And you need to do it by pastoring and shepherding your spouse well. And here's what you need to know. Men, wives learn to submit to you when they see you submitting your life to Christ. If you are struggling submitting your life and your will to Christ, then your spouse will struggle submitting her will to yours. Why? Because you are not fulfilling the biblical model of Christ-like headship and submission in your own lives. And here's the thing, gentlemen. If you are submitting your life to Christ, 
your wife is not going to have to worry about abuse. She's not going to have to worry about the fact that you're out late and you're not home. She is not going to have to worry about anything you do because she knows that just as Jesus Christ would never do anything to bring dishonor to the church, you would never do anything to dishonor your wife in any way. You are seeking to follow Jesus. Now here's what you need to know, right? I don't want you to think that as I'm talking about this, like that Nicole and I have a perfect relationship and that we get this right all the time, right? We too have our seasons of extended negative fellowship. <laughs> we, had a, we had a gentleman in Florida who once told us, my wife and I don't argue, but we do have negative fellowship. I thought, you know, that's a pretty good way of saying it, right? You know, and so you need to know that we don't always get this right, that we too have those seasons of that negative fellowship. But I do know that as much as we can, we want to try to live into Ephesians chapter 5. Neither of us would say that the husband is better or the husband is more important than the wife. But I know that she wants to submit to me as she sees me submitting to Jesus Christ. That means that when there is a decision that needs to be made, we'll talk about it. We'll pray about it. We may have some negative fellowship around it. But you know what I know? Is that in the end, she's going to say, you know what, honey? I'm going to trust you as the head of the household to make the decision in a way that you believe is going to honor Christ. And so I'm going to submit to you even if I'm not in full agreement with this. But she also knows that there are going to be times when I, as a husband, am going to say, you know what, honey, I'm going to sacrifice my desire and my will to you because I know that as a husband, I want to lift you up. Just as Jesus Christ was willing to sacrifice himself for the church, honey, in this situation, I'm willing to sacrifice my will for yours. That's why you, you would never hear me say, Nicole, you have to obey me. Right? Because Jesus Christ would never say that to, to his church as the head. And so what I do know is that the more and more I try to reflect Christ in our relationship, the more and more she's going to want to say, honey, honey, I trust you to make this decision. In the end, what we find is that so often in our culture, we can struggle with these things. But if you really look at what Paul says here, is this really anti-woman and is it really chauvinistic? Notice, ultimately what Paul says is, it's not about submitting to abuse. It's not submitting to a beating. What Paul is saying is, I want to lift you up. And, and gentlemen, you lift your wives up. I can remember back when we were in Pennsylvania, uh, I happened to go to my very first Promise Keepers rally, uh, and it was down in, in, in Philadelphia. And I, I can remember... As I was walking in, on the one hand, you had all these women on one side that were like cheering, you know, and saying like, yeah, go, go. And then you had, there were women on the other side that were protesting. 
right? And they had the signs that it's like, you know, anti-woman, you know, be, you know, just chauvinistic, that sort of thing. And, you know, in the end, I just, I felt so bad for people who didn't get it because inside, like, men were weeping, right? They're repenting, you know? I, okay, all right. I, I say this sometimes. Here's, here's a quick little aside. You want to know the difference between a man's conference and a women's conference? <laughs> when, when women go to women of faith in those conferences, you know what they hear? You're a child of God. You're beautiful. You're special. You know, I just want to lift you up today. And like, that's what women's conferences are. You know what men's conferences are? You're a terrible husband. <laughs> You're a terrible father. You need to get your act together, you know? And men are like weeping and crying. But it's true. And so when you're there, you just get the sense that this wasn't, none of it was about kind of holding anyone down. It really was about lifting them up. Now, before we move on from this point, I want to make this clear. Women, if your spouse is not functioning as the spiritual head of the home, you do it you lead, you pray, you follow after Christ's example. And I believe that as you follow after Christ's example, your husband will begin to learn from you. And then hopefully one day take up his responsibility and his desire to lead within the family. But until that day, women, you take the reins if you need to in your homes so that your home may follow Christ. And then third, husbands, you need to love your wives as Christ loved the church. Notice what Paul says in verses 25 to 30. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. Men, do you see what an incredible responsibility this is? You know, people can often joke around and think like, ha, 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 wives, submit to your husbands as if wives are in some way inferior and subordinate to their husbands. But if we think about it, in the fact is that it's not about inferiority. What Paul is saying is that this is about a division of labor. And what we find is that, guys, we actually don't get off easy In fact, this is a serious duty and obligation because notice what it says. Wives, you have to submit to your husbands, but husbands, you have to be willing to give up your life for your spouse just as Christ gave up himself for his church. By the way, notice Christ is the ultimate example. Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 to 8 reminds us of it. It says this, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as that of Christ Jesus, who, 
being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage or something to be grasped. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance of a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Jesus is the ultimate example of submission. And if you want another example of this, look at John chapter 13, 3 to 5. It says this, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. And they, he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Think of this. When we look at this example of Jesus, and when we think about what Paul has said here, this idea of biblical Christian submission is not done out of weakness, but it is actually done out of strength. Look at the very Godhead itself. We understand that the Trinity, and we say that all persons of the Trinity are equal in authority and power. Oftentimes we think of it as a hierarchy. Well, the Father's up here and the Son is down here and the Holy Spirit is down here. But we have to understand that they are co-equal. They are co-eternal. There is no inferiority between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What do we understand? We see the way in which Jesus submits his will to the Father. The Spirit submits its will to the Son. And even for the Father himself says, I will give to my Son anything that is asked in his name. Jesus in this passage knew that the Father had put all things under his power. And so what we see is the perfect example of submission is in the Godhead itself. And that is the example for our relationships. Jesus was God, but he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. He gave his life for his bride, his church. And husbands, we sacrifice. We are willing to give our lives for our bride as we seek to live out this idea of submission within our homes. This is the picture of love. It means we support our wives, we encourage them, we lift them up, we give them the best of all the resources we can. We do not seek to hold them down, but we seek to lift them up. We do not look at it from a perspective of, oh, we have to keep her in her place. For no, we want to lift up and honor the women that God has given to us to help them be the very best person that they can be. And then wives, your submission and your sacrifice to your husband as you strive to follow after Christ. But in all things, we go back to verse 21. It is about submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
Friends, as we, as we close this morning, I want to share this with you. John Calvin stated this. Where love reigns, there is mutual servitude. When you and I choose to love one another, when we love Christ, and as we seek to love one another, we will seek to mutually serve. As verse 21 said, we will seek to mutually submit. And as we do that, I really do believe that that Christ is going to help us. He's going to honor our relationships as we seek to honor one another in his name. Our challenge is to follow after Christ. You know, I, I know I wanted to do something a little bit different this week, and you saw in your bulletins, if you were taking notes, um, that you'll see some questions. And I just want you to reflect, and maybe this is something where you need to spend a little bit of time in conversation with your spouse, but do it first by just examining your own heart, examining where you are as you seek to follow after Christ in the way in which you seek to lead in your home. I want you to ask and reflect, how is your marriage? And I want you to be honest with yourself. Do you feel like you are submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ? Wives, in which ways are you submitting to your husbands as you do to the Lord? Gentlemen, I want you to ask yourselves, husbands, in what ways are you loving your wives as Christ loved the church? And then I want you to be thinking, what are some simple action steps you can take? Right? What are the things that you feel like you can do in your relationship in order to better live into this biblical picture of Christ-like submission? My prayer for us is that we are going to be a people and a church who, as we walk through this series on identity, are able to identify ourselves as a people who submit to the Lord Jesus Christ and to one another as husbands and wives. Would you pray with me? Lord, we recognize that the things that we talk about, Lord, are in some ways they're difficult for us to hear and in a different way than we have in the past. Lord, in past weeks where we've been talking about brokenness and sin and the things we need to leave behind, Lord, this morning we talk about how we are to live into the image of Christ in our relationships. And Lord, we confess that we do not always get this right. We confess, Lord, that there are many times when we falter and fail as husbands and wives, as, as men and as women. But Lord, help us to better model Christ in our relationships. Lord, in how husbands treat their wives and in how wives treat their husbands. So that, Lord, we may model for the church, that we may model for the world what true biblical submission looks like. And in all things, God, that we would make Jesus Christ our head. Be the head of our lives, the head of our families, 
and the head of our church. Lord, we thank you for what you have spoken into us this morning. May it take, may it be deeply rooted in our hearts and lives today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.